Welcome to the Darlington Extra podcast channel, working with communities, staff and partners to provide positive outcomes. Hello and welcome to the Darlington Extra podcast. My name is Martin Webster. I'm the Workforce Development Manager for People Services and I'm joined today by Chris Ashford who is the Darlington Safeguarding Partnership Trainer and we're going to be talking about an introduction to adult safeguarding. So do you want to just uh, tell people who you are and what you do Chris? Yeah, thanks very much, Martin. So my name's Chris Ashford, and as Martin said, I'm uh, currently employed by the Darlington Safeguarding Partnership, and my role is to deliver all multi-agency training in respect of both children and adults. And of course, today's focus is very much, it's an introduction to safeguarding adults in Darlington specifically. Fantastic. Cheers, Chris. So we'll start off with um, a few questions and um, we'll have a chat as we go through. And then um, those folks that are listening to the podcast will be able to use this as a, a really kind of introduction to that adult safeguarding side and then looking at doing potentially face-to-face training, online training and getting some resources from the Safeguarding Partnership website and also from Darlington Extra and the Darlington Borough Council websites as well. Chris, what are the safeguarding arrangements and who are they for? I suppose the best way to start is just highlighting there is national statutory guidance in respect of safeguarding adults. That's the CARE Act 2014, and you can access further information via the Darlington Partnership website. There's a link to the CARE Act. And what it tells us is safeguarding adults arrangements are for anyone over the age of 18 who has needs for care and support and at that point not necessarily in receipt of those services not in receipt of care and support and of course the reason we raise concerns and we ask you to raise concerns is that we believe the adult is experiencing or at risk of any form of abuse or neglect and I think it's important to stress at this point that that abuse or indeed neglect may not be uh, a deliberate act there may not be um, a deliberate abuser. It may be somebody perhaps who's just as an example in respect of neglect of an adult, somebody who's struggling to provide that care themselves. Uh, And lastly, and I suppose equally importantly, yes, the adult has needs for care and support. And because of those care and support needs, they are unable to protect themselves. So this is the reason we act over 18 care and support needs and the adult is unable to protect themselves. Thanks, Chris. And you just mentioned there as well, um, raising concerns. What do we mean by raising concerns in respect of an adult that's at risk of abuse? I suppose in the first instance, it's prior to raising concerns, it is about us as individuals, isn't it? Do we have enough information? Do we need to gather further information ourselves? Are we able to do that? Are we perhaps able to discuss our concerns with the adults themselves or other professionals around us? It's about then recording those concerns and then sharing those concerns. And I suppose moving on, what should we do? Well, the CARE Act tells us that in the first instance, we should discuss, share our concerns with our designated safeguarding lead or our designated safeguarding manager. That is the terminology. So every organisation should have designated safeguarding leads or managers. And it is the role of the manager then to, in the first instance, support you, but to ensure that people are safe and then to 
decide on how can we respond to the concerns that we have. And there are a number of options. We'll talk about those now. So it may be that the appropriate response is you as an organization, as a setting, deciding, well, actually, if we put this in place, then it can resolve the concerns. So that single agency approach, whereby you identify the concerns, you record your concerns, and then put whatever's in place to resolve those concerns. Of course, recording that outcome. But it may be perhaps that the concern is more significant, more complex, something that you as an organization cannot respond to. And that's where we would expect the concern to be raised with the safeguarding adults team in Darlington. And the contact number for the Darlington safeguarding adults team is 01325 406 111. So remember, more complex, significant, requires that multi-agency response to resolve those concerns, then we should contact the safeguarding adults team in Darlington. That is process. And as with children, we shouldn't forget that if there is an immediate risk to that adult, to other adults, or indeed any person, then we would ring the police in the first instance on three nines for that immediate response. And indeed, if a crime has been disclosed, we believe a crime has been committed, we should consider ringing the police in the first instance so that they can attend and secure, preserve evidence of that crime. That's great, Chris. Thanks. And you mentioned there a little bit about kind of information gathering. Do you need to have concrete information of abuse or neglect before you raise a concern? Absolutely not, Martin. Um, as I say, whether it be safeguarding children or safeguarding adults, the threshold is very much at that point your threshold as an individual. You may be able to gather information, you may not be able to gather further information, but ultimately you do not require that concrete evidence. It is better to act, isn't it? And perhaps the outcome may be that the concerns uh, were not warranted, that there isn't a concern in that respect, but it's always better to act. And, and that really is the message for today, isn't it? Don't leave it if you can gather information, but always share your concerns, whether it be with your designated safeguarding lead manager or indeed the local authority. Um, earlier also, you mentioned and, and spoke about raising concerns with the designated safeguarding officer and manager in terms of kind of escalation. How do staff or individuals do that? Is it is it through their online manager? What's the escalation kind of procedure? Very much your individual organisation should have a clear process map. So that's something you would want to explore within your organization. You need to know who do I speak to? So there should be a clear process map. But ultimately, as I said, there should be, it might be a line manager who initially manages that concern if you're on duty at that time. But ultimately it is about having that designated safeguarding lead or manager to have oversight and make those decisions, of course, supported by you or indeed other members of staff. And should you obtain the consent of that adult at risk of abuse before you report the concern? So in the first instance, I would say, actually, I'm going to introduce the theme of safeguarding and the CARE Act at this point, and that is making safeguarding personal. We'll look at it further, but making safeguarding personal really is about making any response person-centred. Okay, so at the earliest opportunity, we should be seeking voice 
of the adult themselves. As I say, we'll explore it further. When we talk about consent, in the first instance, if we are discussing our concerns with somebody within our organisation, then it's not a requirement in law. We are simply having conversations within our organisation. But right from the very start, if we reflect on making safeguarding personal, it's about relationships, isn't it? And when we talk about consent, it is always best practice to gain consent from the, the adult themselves. And of course, there are two reasons why we would not seek or be expected to seek consent. And the first one is around capacity. So if the adult lacks capacity to provide that consent, then we would make what's called a best interest decision. We would share that information, best interest on behalf of the adult without that consent. And the other clear reason for not seeking consent would be risk. And again, it might be risk to the adult, but equally it might be risk to you or others. Um, an example might be that you are concerned around domestic abuse uh, within a relationship or family. You feel that, that the signs and indicators, it may be marks, bruises, it may be injuries that you see or the behavior of the person, the adult themselves. And you decide that actually you would want to share that concern, raise that concern. You then have to consider, actually, if I attempt to go and have a conversation with the adult, it may be at their home address, as an example, would that place the adult at risk? And indeed, would it place yourself at risk? So risk the second reason for not seeking consent. But I suppose one of the big questions, we've introduced person-centered approaches, relationships. One of the big, I suppose, potential barriers around sharing information is around where the person actually tells you they do not want you to intervene. They do not want any support, any care, any interventions around the issue. And that would include perhaps it might be a criminal matter and they don't want the police contacted. Or you talk about perhaps support from other agencies and they don't want anyone else involved. So where that lack of consent is present. So the decision then has to be made. When and would we share without consent? where it is not provided. And again, the CARE Act is very clear. What it tells us is there are two circumstances where we should share without consent. The first is, and it's termed vital interest. A vital interest decision is where you believe there is a risk of further significant harm. Public interest is risk to others. So a very simple scenario, Perhaps you may have an adult that you have a conversation with. The adult has care and support needs. It might be in this case by reason of age. And they disclose to you that a professional carer has attended their address earlier in the day and stolen money. So they are disclosing a theft, a criminal act, financial abuse. They then go on to say to you that actually, although they're telling you this, they do not want the police involved. They do not want any other agencies involved. In fact, what they're saying is they don't want any action. They have an affection for the carer. They've known the carer a while and they would like it just dropping and they and let them have the money. And I, I suppose then we have to jump to, and this is just one example, isn't it? Is it vital interest to share that concern indeed with the police? So vital interest, is there a risk of further significant harm? Is it public interest? 
is there a risk to others? And of course, here we're talking about a professional carer that's visited the home. They may be visiting other homes. So we should act certainly under public interest, potentially under vital interest. But I suppose, again, the clear message is this is something that we would discuss with the adult. We're putting them at the centre, aren't we? And at that point, when they're saying we don't want anything done, we would be highlighting future risks. We would be highlighting risk to others. And indeed, that sort of conversation, that relationship, they may then say, actually, under those circumstances, I do consent. I would want you to share that information in this example with the police. But I suppose end of that conversation, they still may be at a point where they're saying, I know, I understand that, I understand risk, but actually, I don't want you to share it. And that's where we have to make a decision about appropriate responses. Do we walk away and do nothing or do we share? And I suppose in that kind of situation, every 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 situation is individual to itself yeah. and the conversations with um with the individuals themselves with our service users and the people that we work with are, are massively important yeah and also when a member of staff may be unsure about next steps that's where that kind of support from a line manager and the mm -hmm. escalation point comes in and it's really important in terms of i know we, we we've talked a little bit about this already but does an adult at risk of abuse or neglect need to be receiving care services before a concern can be reported um, absolutely not. And I think it's clear on many occasions, you may be the first person, you may be the first individual that identifies that the adult is in need of care and support services and perhaps unable to protect themselves. So it's very clear that the policies, procedures, the Care Act tells us they do not have to be in receipt of services at that point. And kind of leading on from that as well then, prior to raising a concern, should you ask the adult at risk what they would like to happen? We've talked about consent. Yes, that's important. Yeah. Already we're perhaps gaining views, wishes, but the, clear, the CARE Act is very clear from the very start and throughout any intervention, any support given to resolve those concerns, any response should be, we should always, from the very earliest opportunity, and that can be us, Consider the adult's well-being. Consider, put them at the centre. Consider their views, their wishes, their beliefs, perhaps, and crucially, their desired outcomes. And it might be, as a professional, their desired outcomes are perhaps contrary to what we believe is the right response. But remember, we're putting the adult at the centre. I will add to that. The CARE Act says, where appropriate, we will respect those beliefs feelings, desired outcomes where appropriate. And again, by gaining that in the very at the very first opportunity and recording, this is what they would like to happen. We should, as professionals who are supporting the adult, in this case, responding to those concerns, where possible, where appropriate, respect those wishes, respect those desires outcomes. So the simple message is, yes, we consider consent, in every case when we're sharing a concern and yes gain their views wishes feelings desired outcomes and record and so when you're having those conversations whether it be with your designated safeguarding lead manager whether it be with the local authority indeed whether it be with the police you're very clear at the very start this is what the adult would like to happen 
and it can be it's the balance then isn't it i use the example of the professional stealing money from perhaps grandparent if we remove professional from that scenario and perhaps suggested that a close um, family member perhaps a granddaughter that they terrific relationship with grandparent visits but on this occasion going out with her friends i'm just giving an example here take some money yeah yes it's a theft yes it's financial abuse but i'm sure that adult potentially would want a different outcome with granddaughter perhaps with professional who's stolen that money and it's about what's right for the adult isn't it can we accommodate those desired outcomes it may be grandparents saying look yes i want money back but i certainly don't want my granddaughter um, arrested as an example dealt with by the police and it's about where possible those discussions to accommodate that it's not and I suppose that's where when we talk about every case being its own individual mm. entity, that's where it's really important to consider things on their own merit. And people are experts in their own lives, aren't they? So it's making yeah. sure that we that we do consider mm. that and, and ensure that um, the capacity is taken into consideration and that all of those are the things that you've mentioned earlier in the podcast that are taken into consideration. But it is about people's voice and people yeah. owning decisions and being part of decisions as well. Yeah, and and right. I like that terminology. It's not being done to, is it? Yeah, it's yeah. it's work. It's with the responses are working with the adult. As you rightly say, them being part of that response to resolve those concerns. Right. Thanks, Chris. Um, what are the barriers to effective safeguarding for adults at risk of abuse or neglect? I think certain barriers mirror the barriers we speak about when we talk about safeguarding children. It's it's. It's acting at the earliest opportunity to prevent that escalation in those concerns. It's perhaps sharing that information. Yeah, maybe not sharing the information, should I say, or or sharing it too slowly. So it is about information sharing again, isn't it? Whether that's the discussions within your organization or where appropriate, of course, discussions outside of your organization, inc including um, the safeguarding adults team and the police. It's about when we raise a concern when we intervene whoever intervenes around the concern it's about outcomes isn't it we need to see that there has been an outcome that the the concern the reason for the concerns have been resolved and if that doesn't happen as with children it's about challenging isn't it maybe on occasions it's appropriate to challenge other professionals yeah around decision making around outcomes and I suppose one of the biggest barriers is that consent that we've talked about is around, you know, you on occasions. And if we think of perhaps one example, self-neglect as a type of pattern of abuse that we may raise concerns around because we feel it's having significant impact. You may have an adult that is actually making a choice and they're saying they may have the capacity to say this is the way I choose or want to live. That may be the voice of the adult. But it's always where appropriate. Do we need to share? Can we sit on this? Can we walk away and do nothing? Or do we believe that significant impact means we should act, of course? Yeah. So consent, a big one. And again, views and wishes. But it's about having those conversations, isn't it? Yeah. And lastly, as with all safeguarding responses, it's about recording, isn't it? Record 
every intervention, every concern, yeah, every discussion around those safeguarding concerns. It's about building up the picture, but ultimately recording and recording the reasons for our decisions, which is really important. If we're sharing without consent, why are we doing that? And we should remember, I suppose, that the Data Protection Act, Human Rights Act, whether it be safeguarding children or safeguarding adults, they are not a barrier to sharing information around appropriate safeguarding concerns. So it's really important. Um, but I think that's, you know, that highlights some of the barriers for us today. And that recording side that you mentioned as well, I know when you look at kind of safeguarding adult reviews and other elements where things are potentially not when according to plan a lot of that is around the recording and a lot yeah. of it is around that information sharing isn't it and i suppose yeah. building that chronology of events and that jigsaw if one piece is missing then that can mean that the whole thing kind of tumbles down and it's just really important to to really stress that that you as you mentioned there that the recording and, and accurate recordings and making sure that the information shared appropriately is yeah. is vital absolutely vital absolutely yeah any kind of final messages chris in terms of this podcast I think in this case, we've we've the barriers we've covered the key messages today to take away from today. But I suppose the other key message from today is this is a podcast. This is an introduction. Yeah. So what we would want you to do is is to go away and research further. Yeah. Whether it be look at within your organisations the policies, the processes within your organisation, or to access future training, whether it be with the Darlington Safeguarding Partnership, so access that website or access the Workforce Development website, see what's appropriate there to support you in your role. So that's around training, but your own research as well. So, you know, look further into safeguarding adults in this case and find out about your responsibilities. Excellent. Thanks very much, Chris. Um, appreciate you joining us and we'll uh, speak again soon. Cheers, everyone. Brilliant. Thank you very much, man. You've been listening to the Darlington Extra podcast on our Darlington Extra podcast channel. For more great content, make sure you subscribe now.